the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Big bets on campus podcasts. I am your host, Kai McEwen, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Jim Root and Matt Cox. We're coming to you every Wednesday morning in your podcast feed, breaking down college basketball slates from Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit of Friday and Saturday as well. Fellas, as we usually do, let's start with our live dog section, which underdogs are we looking to back on the money line this week? Uh, where's my dog? Quick recap of last week, UNLV got it done, dominated Colorado State. Go Rebs. 45 points from Bryce Hamilton. Jim, would you say that's good, 45 points? I would say that is terrific. It was a clobbering, Kai. They were up double digits basically the entire game. How about those Rebels? Let's let's ignore the, the whiffs we had. Yeah, the whiffs included Western Kentucky. They did lose to UAB. They covered, and UAB later lost to Marshall. UCF. Never, never competitive with Houston. And fellas, I'm officially going to stop fading Houston. I'm done. I'm done fading the Cougs. Players don't matter on that team. I think us three and two other guys in my building could probably go 25 and five with Kelvin Sampson teaching us how to play defense. And then Winthrop, weirdly, lost to Longwood. Longwood truly is the class of the Big South looking to represent them in the tournament. Wow. Great coaching there, Longwood. Undefeated in the Big South. How about them, Lancers? Incredible. Now we turn the page to this week, and let's look at Wednesday first. I'll let you guys pick out some games you like here. We got Purdue visit, visiting Minnesota, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida. Jim is coming to Mizzou. We'll talk about that one for sure. Matt, your favorite and my favorite as well, though, is Valparaiso at Evansville of all teams, plus the eight, aces, according to Ken Palm, in favor of well, Valpo's the favorite team, but Matt. Valpo's banged up. Why do you think they might lose against Evansville on Wednesday? Because Evansville's actually looked feisty the last three games. Kayak looking abysmal prior to that. Uh, they beat Illinois State last Sunday. Then they competed with <clears> Iowa. <throat> yep. This yep. is at Valpo. I think that's an important detail. It is an important detail. Valpo? Which I think, uh-huh. yeah, it's at Valpo. Um, I, but again, that's another, from a money line perspective, I like that. That gives me an extra, you know, that that would uh, this would obviously not be minus eight if it were at um, if we're at Evansville. So I think that plays into it. The home shouldn't be that strong. Kyle looked at the numbers this morning. The home court in the Valley has not been that great this season. So I think you're looking at a good spot for a, a Evansville team that's trending up. Their guards have played really well. They can get hot. Jim, it's one of these high variance teams that with how many threes they shoot, uh, if they go 13 of 29, they can play to a very um, high level and certainly knock off a Valpo team that without. Trevor Anderson without Thomas Kith here, the former Michigan State transfer. They are very, very beatable. Yeah, a lot of it turns out when you take 23 year olds, you get some back issues. You're old, aching <laughs> backs. Both Anderson and Kith here, guys, uh, fifth year seniors that have had major, major back problems. That's an issue. Yeah, I think Evansville can absolutely be feisty without those guys out there. Valpo's had some 
pitiful performances without them. Yep. They just got blasted by 20 against Southern Illinois. I like that one too. I think the Aces get it done. Yeah, and, and Matt, you mentioned last three games, they have covered Evansville last three games. So a little bit of precedence there, a sign they're getting better. Jim, though, let's talk about Florida at Mizzou. That's where we went to university. Uh, five points per Ken Palm is the number here. Heck, Mizzou's been feisty. I can see it. Yeah, Florida still doesn't have Castleton. I think that's a nice little bonus for our Tigers. Probably don't get beat up inside quite as much. because that's the issue. Uh, Mizzou doesn't have a lot of size, but Florida lacks threatening size without Castleton in there. Uh, it, it seems like Mizzou has, has sort of adopted the slow down, grind it out, make it a possession game late. They've had a bunch of those games, lost them to Auburn, lost it to, to, to Texas A&M, but they've been playing close enough that I think they can get one of these done. And like I said, limited Florida, I think it's a good spot for him, Matthias. Agree. It's just, again, from if we're saying money line bets here, if the projected spread per Kempom is five points, assuming the odds makers hang it somewhere close to that, I think I'd like to be catching seven or eight points, translating that to a money line price, Kai. I think that'd be a better money line value on it's all, Matt, it's all about the percentage it's all, it's all chance of the win. Yeah. If you think it's a coin flip game and you're getting any sort of plus money, then you're I you're don't, though. I'm sorry. I can't have Mizzou as a coin flip against anyone in the SEC. It I, was an I know example. You better. It was I know an you're example. Better. I know, but no, can't do it here. I'm skipping the rest of the Wednesday games, guys. I, I don't <laughs> respect Georgia. They're not going to beat Arkansas. Famous last words, I suppose, there. But Thursday, we have a little intriguing matchup here that you guys like a little bit better than I do, I think. UTSA. The, the fighting roadrunners, the running maybe. roadrunners, the runners, maybe, are heading to Rice. And Kim Palm says this spread is going to be about 13 points. You guys like UTSA. Matthew, explain why. Here are their last two games with both um, Jordan Ivy Curry, their point guard back, arguably best player, most valuable player, and uh, Ju Jang, if I'm saying that correctly, who was a pretty talented wing combo guard who I think was considering going pro. Got those two guys back the last few games. They beat FIU at home. They are outplaying, winning most of the game against FAU, and then meltdown catastrophically down the stretch to not only lose but not cover. God damn it, close out games, teams. But Kai, I think that's just right in a nutshell is the a good omen for things to come for UTSA. That's been sort of in disarray all season. I think Steve Henson's a good coach. I respect him. He's just struggled to kind of find his life after – um, Jackson and Wallace basically having two electric scorers this season was like a very turbulent start because you have to get to get used to life without those dudes, find other guys to step up. Now he has going to be catching a pretty juicy price here. Shouldn't be a ton of travel. Jim going to rice cross state in Texas. Um, rice is not great defensively. It seems like a game where, you know, UTSA can get hot and, and pull it off. Yeah. This is far from a coin flip. Like this, this is about the value about the price. And I think it's going to yep. be a little juiced up because UTSA got blown out without the guys you mentioned a couple games that has decreased their value in analytics rankings. Unfortunately, Matt, right now, UTSA in league play is last in three point percentage, last in two point percentage, last in mm-hmm. free throw percentage. This team hasn't been able to shoot the ball, but even the worst shooting team in the country should, should make more than 24% from deep. So there is possibly some regression there. Rice takes a bunch of threes, which makes this game higher variance. I do think it is worth a stab here. Into Friday, we got a couple options here. Matt, we're not going to fade Toledo. We're not going to join the Toledo Faders Anonymous because they're 15 Ball State's going to be Toledo. Ball State's going to be Toledo. You're right here first. Ball State will be Toledo. Toledo, Thanks, Gamble. Are you really taking Ball State? You didn't write it down. Are you taking Ball State? 
I did. I wrote it down. It's my number one, baby. Ball State hosting Toledo, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Well, we recap at the bottom of the page, and you did not list Ball State. So oh, I didn't add it there. Me, okay, sir. yes, sorry. I mean, add it to the official bed slip. Thank All you. All right. Why do you think? Why do you think Ball State is going to win against Toledo, who is fifteen and five against the spread with an average cover margin over five points, both among the best in the country? Again, it's a value play. The spread's going to be really high probably close to 10 points and ball state has a couple of matchup advantages here. I think with guys like Tyler Cochran and especially my guy, Peyton sparks, they can score inside. Um, but when it comes to defending Toledo, Kai, you need some, obviously if I'm betting this as a money line backer here, I'm going to need some fortunate uh, regression in terms of Toledo, not making threes, but Toledo is so damn good. They get to the rim at will. It's like, they don't want, yeah, they almost don't even need to make threes at a high clip this year. Um, all that said, I think ball state's trending up. I think the price is going to be pretty juicy. So I will be on my Cardinals game one. I'll, in this pro- I'll, I'll probably bet the Rockets, Matt. I think Toledo is just way too good for them. Toledo was up 27 points in the first matchup. Sparks did have a good game, 17 and 14. However, Toledo's number one in the conference in two point percentage defense. I don't know, Matt, if they're that soft inside. I'm going they're away soft. from them. They're soft. But they're good. Kinda, they're soft. I might throw a flyer at Milwaukee on Friday, and Milwaukee's like terrible. One, yeah. But plus eight at Purdue Fort Wayne, who who's played very well this year. But you could argue Milwaukee's more talented than this team, and they have the ability. Not saying they will, but yeah, they have the ability like to win one. this game outright. So I might take one for the Panthers. Though. Yeah, they beat Oakland by ten. What yeah. just two weeks ago, and then they beat IUPUI, which is not saying much, but they beat by thirty. <laughs> like we've seen evidence of competence, and I think by this point, Baldwin could be back, right? The chance he plays? Uh, no, he's not. He doesn't play. matter. I don't. Are we not? Are we not banking on that? Also, do we care? Right? Do we care? Fort Wayne takes a ton of threes, in. so kind of like Rice, they're, they're a yep. team that can get cold and, and leave you open to some variance here. Fellows, on Saturday we can touch real quickly here. I know you guys each like a different game. Jim, you kind of like Vandy against LSU on Saturday. I think the Commodores are a completely different team when Rodney Chapman plays, and he was back last game. LSU still dealing with the injury to Xavier Pinson. He, he did play some over the weekend, but it was limited. Not sure if he'll be 100%. I mean, this is a week after that, so he'll probably be a lot closer to 100%. And, of course, Vandy could turn the ball over something like 24 times. That is entirely realistic. But I think with Chapman and Pippen, they have two solid ball handlers. They're not going to get blown away. Like LSU's interior attack is more like lob it up to dunkers than it is play through the post. So I think they're – at least able to negate that a little bit. And Vandy has the shooters. Again, we're looking for high variance when you're looking for money underdogs and money land underdogs. And I think Vandy has at least a chance of pulling that one off. Yeah, had 12 of 23 from downtown against Georgia. Again, they should have covered easily Georgia with a bogus late run to ruin that. So yeah, I think you already have evidence with one game of Chapman in there, what he means. Uh, 20 minutes, 12 points, four boards, highly efficient. Just an awesome Robin to Pippen's Batman, ironically, with Pippen. His dad used to being a, a Robin for Michael Jordan guy who played for the Chicago Bulls. They won a few titles. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that guy. Yeah. But Matt, Saturday, that's not your favorite bet. You are looking at LIU heading to Wagner. Spread could be big over double digits. Yeah, I'm going to put my hand up here real quick and confess this is a partial hedge for a pretty large Wagner conference title future ticket that I believe we all three hold. Um, I also think LIU is playing really good basketball and they're extremely talented and talk about high variance when you have the front court that they have and you have a prolific scorer like Ty Flowers and you play in the league like the NEC, which is as parody ridden as any conference in America, catching 12 at Wagner as good as Wagner's been as much as we believe in Wagner. I think 12 is an awfully juicy converted money line price here. 
for the uh, the black the the artist form, formerly known as the Blackbirds guy. Now the Sharks, obviously. The the first game between these two went to overtime. It took a three late. Wagner hit a buzzer beater to send it to overtime. That was at LIU. Flowers had a monster game. There's just no matchup for him in this league. Uh, they had a chance to beat Bryant until Flowers got ejected. So I, I think LIU definitely is a little bit undervalued. What they are, the way they're structured does not play up against power competition, but in the NEC, they can be a yeah. lot more feisty, so which makes them maybe a, a hair underrated right now. I agree. What's nice for Wagner, though, is LIU is very stupid. One of the stupidest teams they are in dumb. the country. Holy Hence, they coached. are five and five in this league, and they lost to Central Connecticut. Yeah, as, as we talked them up there, five <laughs> and five in the NEC. <laughs> to recap, Jim likes Missouri on Wednesday, as well as Evansville, UTSA on Thursday, and Vanderbilt on Saturday. Kai likes Evansville and Milwaukee on Friday. Matthew likes Ball State, Evansville, UTSA, and the LIU Sharks. Good shit. Good shit, Maroki. Blowout City is our next section. Fire in the hole! Last week, we talked about IUPUI, but they never played. We talked about Vermont. They only beat Maine by 13, and gosh dang, those Black Bears have been feisty. And then also, EIU is now off the Blowout City They're off the radar. Watch They're off the watch list. Because... They got two wins in a row. How about that? They're good. The IU Panthers, they're not good. No, they fucking good. suck, but they <laughs> pulled off two decent wins in the OVC. Woohoo! Marty Simmons, yeah, welcome they, to the wins, anyways. Maybe, maybe two more than we thought they'd get. So, congrats yes. to the Panthers. I had them going over. This week, today, we're looking at Bucknell at Colgate. Projected spread minus 17 in favor of Colgate. Bucknell off a huge overtime game. Jim, what do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, I just think Bucknell has struggled with teams that execute offensively, and Colgate can do that. They will put you in the hurt locker if you're missing rotations or you're losing shooters, and that is something a young Bucknell team has been wont to do. I think Colgate blows them out. They've won five of their past six, coming home after two tough road games. I think it sets up well for the Raiders, Matthias. Yeah, I agree. Kai, I left this section a little bit light because there just aren't many great candidates and I'm not good at picking large favorites. The only other one that made the consideration list was Boise State hosting San Jose State on Saturday. Just think San Jose State with how they're trending, which is downward recently. Uh, no inside presence. I think Boise could just manhandle them at home. That's the only other oh, one I'd consider. I'll throw one more at the wall and it, Abilene Christian is hosting Chicago State. I, I saw that too. Chica- I know Chicago State's been a lot better, know. but I think this could be a bloodbath there's going to be 40 turnovers on Chicago state's end and Abilene's just really tough. And it's at home as well. So I, 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 I respect him. Chicago state. How I respect Chicago you? state, but Abilene Christian could be a different animal. They've been playing a little bit worse lately. Maybe they get their mojo back. Um, that does it for blowout city. Let's head to some power games, some really, really awesome matchups of this coming week. Let's start on Wednesday. Villanova is playing Marquette. This is an important game for the cats here. Minus four is a projected spread at Marquette because they need to keep pace with Providence, a team that keeps winning, and they're now a game behind in the Big East standings. And Marquette, as we know, has been super good lately. Jim, does that Marquette Pfizer Forum magic that you're all too familiar with win out against Villanova? Spooks me a little bit, but it's offset by angry Villanova seeking revenge. They, they lost at the Pavilion to Marquette at the Horn, and I think that's going to grind the gears of a very veteran Wildcats team. I will probably be leaning towards Villanova on this line, but I do also fear the crowd. I mean, Villanova, I think, has lost three of the last five in Milwaukee, um, so it's not exactly a place they waltz into every year. A little spooked, Matt, but leaning towards the Wildcats. Yeah, I'm torn here. I just 
been so impressed by Marquette, their ability to win these like slower, more traditional Big East grueling rock fights as fast as they played. I mean, they beat Villanova in a 61 possession game, basically beat Villanova at their own game. Um, had a chance to beat Providence just come on Sunday. So another sort of bounce back spot in Marquette's favor. However, I think the revenge angle from Nova is the stronger motivational one. A lot of dynamics. I'm just going to sit back and watch and enjoy what should be a pretty high quality basketball game with no investment. I think Nova gets it done. Uh, they were controlling that first game. They're up by as many as nine in the second half. Uh, Marquette hit 13 threes and Nova hit six of them. Got to think that evens out just a little bit there. Um, I think Nova's got the juice for this game. In another big matchup on Wednesday, Wisconsin is at Illinois. Projected spread minus six in favor of the Illini. These two teams are tied right now, Matt, for the Big Ten lead at eight and two. Huge, huge game. Who do you like? Jim, I'm torn. I'm curious where you're standing on your buzz cut Badgers. I think this Wisconsin front line might be in for rude awakening against Kofi. As good as they've been, as much as we like Wall, and crawl. I think Kofi's a different animal. Uh, came right out of concussion protocol, looking like his old dominant self. Illinois has had some shooting regression bite them the last couple of weeks. They're still a good shooting team. I think this is maybe one of those games that we saw earlier in the year where they may go 13 for 30 from three, and then Kofi's doing his thing inside, and it just looks like Illinois is the better team. And I mean, it all comes down to how do you guard Johnny Davis? Can you slow him down? That's the thing for Illinois. Yeah, you know who couldn't slow him down was Purdue. For all their great front court dominant centers that should have taken Crowell and Wall to school, they lost at Purdue because Davis had 37. And I think if if Brad Underwood's massive press conference rants are any indication, he fully believes Trent Frazier can lock down Johnny Davis. He's basically making the case that he, he thinks Frazier should be National Defensive Player of the Year because of the wow. stat lines that opposing guards put up when he's guarded by him. This is the ultimate test. I mean, Davis can score in so many different ways. He can score with the ball. He can score without it. It's going to be a huge test for Frazier. I kind of think Wisconsin getting points is just a good situation for them. Feisty yeah. dog that mucks the game up, has the, the go-to guy late that can get you a big shot. Uh, I actually would bet this is a little higher than six when the spread actually comes out. Um, and I will probably lean towards the Badgers. Yeah, even more than six. I'm taking Wisconsin. Um, I do think Illinois wins. I, I think they have a better matchup for Davis with with Frazier, even with a different guy. I think they better matchup than Purdue did, and I do think Kofi will will kill them inside. But Wisconsin is a very good team, and and after going to the Cole Center and and seeing how strong their chemistry is as a team, and how together they are, and how they kept harping on that in the press conference, I really think this is a good team with potential to win the big 10 for sure. It does kind of feel like a rally around the Greg guard nonsense this off season. Like they've almost kind of like, they're like making a point to thwart that completely. I don't know. Could be all bogus. Thursday is a huge game as well. UCLA (laughs) is heading to Arizona and the Bruins took down the cats in game one. This one is projected to be a five point spread. Jim, does Arizona get revenge here? I do think they do. Uh, Because Kai watched the first game and they were ice freaking cold. And UCLA definitely was a part of that, making some of the shots difficult, but you're not getting an 0 for 20 night combined from Kirk Creasa and Dale and Terry. That's just not happening again. I'm sorry. Uh, that was hugely beneficial for the Bruins in this one. And also Hawkes is banged up. That's kind of a big deal for the Bruins. Yep. Juzang should be out of COVID protocol. He's supposed to test out of it today. That's the expectation. But Hawkes also a little bit banged up. Arizona back home, I think is a different animal. We saw Creasa finally hit a shot 
the game after that UCLA game and he kissed the center court logo. He was so excited. Um, I think there's going to be mega emotions going through McHale and the bear down wildcats get it done. Yeah. Kai, here's something for you. The spread closed that first matchup Arizona minus two and a half. So unless the odds makers overreact drastically, I think they probably opened this close to a field goal. Arizona favored back home. That's too no, low. This, this would be Arizona minus like seven. If if the other one was Arizona minus two and a half on the road, this would be like Arizona minus seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I've got Arizona. Got fit, or, er, people been to Arizona, not the other way around. You're right. So yeah, this will be a really high spread. Um, probably too high, to be honest. Probably too high. I know. And I should have taken UCLA in the first one. That was my whole point. It's like, I think they're going to probably skew it too high towards Arizona, given the spot and the revenge and all that stuff. And just as people are really buying into this Arizona team and kind of forgetting that UCLA is still really legit, I'm going to probably reluctantly bet UCLA and hope that Arizona doesn't go full nuclear, which they certainly can. If they don't, they grab 21 offensive rebounds in the first matchup. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of indications they might bounce back here. Uh, Saturday, a little two for here. Baylor's going to Kansas. Yeah, that's a little bit of a big game, isn't it? Kansas favored by one at Fog Allen, according to Kempom. Baylor, of course, having an amazing year. But Baylor's kind of banged up. Uh, we, we've seen Flagler out of the lineup, seen Cryer out of the lineup. Ken Joe might not be all the way back. Any lane in this one, Jim? I'm kind of down on both right now on a very relative basis. I still think they're both top 10 teams, but they're in lulls in their season performance-wise where I don't think they have everything figured out because of some of the rotational issues that they've got. And a key here could be Agbaji's availability. He is out yep, this yep. week against Iowa State. We don't know how long he'll be in COVID protocols. If he's out, you got to go Baylor, but I think this will probably be Baylor by three or something. If he's out, I think people realize the importance he has to the line. Um, but if he's back in sort of lean towards Kansas with the fog Allen magic Matthias, especially if it's basically a pick game like this indicates. Yeah. I just don't think Kempom has this one, right? I think Osmeyer is going to shade this a lot higher toward KU. I, I would expect this to open KU minus three minus four, even uh, maybe that's too rich, but I think the injury concerns for Baylor are well documented now. And I think that's probably the proper number. But that's all rendered moot, as you mentioned, Jim. In fact, Baji's out. So that's the key thing here. Just a bummer this game kind of has been tarnished by the uh, the personnel warts, unfortunately. And Remy Martin, too, not fully healthy. I think the, the Jayhawks need him. Well, Matt, let's talk about the other matchup on Saturday that you're probably looking forward to. It's Duke at North Carolina. It's round one of Coach K's final two matchups uh, in this storied rivalry. North Carolina, three-point dogs at home per Ken Palm. Do you think that's right, number one? And two, do you think your Dukies can come into, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on North Carolina's home The Ding Dome. The Ding Dome. The Dean, the, the, the Dean Dome and get a win over the Tar Heels. Yeah, and I think they do. Um, I know UNC's a lot better at home. They've put out some just insane offensive performances in front of their home fans. I mean, my God, they just hung 100 on NC State. Now, NC State's defense does not hold a candle to Dukes, which we just saw suffocate Notre Dame completely in a very charged up hype home spot for the Irish. That to me was like a, oh yeah, Duke's defense when locked in and engaged is all the way legit. We just haven't seen that consistently this year. Um, and I got to think it's UNC going cross town and Coach K's last stand, uh, last trip to the ding dong, as I call it, as a Duke fan. Sorry, UNC fans. I think Duke prevails here. Not easily, but by a few possessions. I think three is a cheap price. I mean, I think Coach K's last trip there also matters for UNC. Uh, you know, oh, that's, yeah, it that's goes both ways. And especially motivating factor for them. They also don't have a great NCAA tournament resume right now. And like every ACC team, if you want to feel good on Selection Sunday, you need a win over Duke atop your resume. And I think only uh, Miami – and who else has one of those, Matt, right now? 
Uh, who else beat Duke? Florida State? I'll, I'll look I'm it liking. up, fellas. Uh, I don't know yeah, why Florida we can't. State. Florida State. Florida State's Florida State. the answer. Florida State. Good job. Okay. Uh, so Yay. those two at least have the crown jewel atop the resume, but uh, North Carolina certainly still needs it. I do think Duke is just superior and will probably get it done, but I will not be betting this game because I, I think the line will probably be about right and North Carolina hyper-motivated at home is at least a decent spot. Yeah. I'm probably taking UNC or at least leaning their way. I think I think it's what? A, yeah. Idiot. Fool. They can guard. Incredible love against Duke, Matt. You have a couple memories of that from last year. Yeah, no, not fun ones. Not fun. Combined for like 50 points in two games. Not fun ones. Uh, Next section, mid-major game of the week. We're going to hit two of these guys. Number one is in the Colonial. Towson is at Hofstra. Towson is trying to get the lead in this conference. They they are the the best team per Ken Palm, but UNC Wilmington refuses to lose, and they look good. They're top 100 right now in Ken Palm. They show no signs of slowing down, but Hofstra. Is no slouch themselves. Matthew leans in Hofstra versus Towson. They're host uh, Hofstra's hosting Towson, favored by one per Kempom. Yeah, I mean, I debated even putting this on the outline because Hofstra's five and three in conference and Towson seven and two, uh, while UNC Wilmington sets atop the total pull at nine and zero. Oh, but I think these are the two best teams in the Colonial. So this is to me perhaps a precursor of what to see in the Colonial Championship uh, potential date down the road. I tend to lean Towson just in general. I think they're the slightly better team. Um, now, the home court, you have to factor that in. It's probably why. Well, it is why Hofstra is going to probably be favored in this game. But, Jim, I like Towson. I think when fully healthy, they've been the best team this season. But when they were without Bradley in there, we saw some cracks emerge. No, but with Terry Bradley, Nolan. Terry Nolan. Nolan, sorry. From Bradley. Thank you. Terry Nolan from Bradley. Uh, he's key. And they have plenty of weapons, but he's one of their more indispensable ones. And he hasn't been playing. Like it's not like he's back and healthy. That's the concern. Uh, if Hofstra's minus one, I'm I'm betting them even if no one's in. I think they're a little bit in equals at least. So minus one, basically pick them game. I think the equal in home court, maybe even Hofstra a little bit better when they're full strength. Uh, I would be I would be taking the pride there. Towson, I I, I respect them. I think they're second or third best team in this league, but uh, they've also had some really really excellent shot making uh, throughout their season so far from. Uh, from Gibson and Timberlake. So I would be towards the pride in this one, Kai. Yeah, I'm leaning Hofstra too. Towson won the first game by 12, um, but they hit 16 threes. And Hofstra hit eight. Yeah, no Cooks in that, that game. game. Yeah. No Nolan. Aaron Estrada, man, is a guy for Hofstra that I did not realize is killing it this year. Leads the conference in usage. Um, he former St. Peter's and Oregon guy. He's found his level at Hofstra. He's doing very, very well. Uh, last game on Friday, San Diego State at Colorado State. Man, after that loss to Wyoming, Colorado State could use this game to stay in the tournament conversation. I still think they're there, but could really use it as well. San Diego State, I suppose, Jim, could use this win as well. Uh, Mountain West is no picnic, but these two teams are awesome this year. Colorado State has not gotten to host San Diego State in a while. They had to play twice at Viejas last year. They've already lost by 40 at Viejas this year. I think we see an absolutely nuclear crowd. Like The crowd is going to be all yep. over this game. Yep. Colorado State also coming off a loss, a short spread here. Matt, it's going to be hard for me to talk myself out of being on the Rams in this one. Right. I think Colorado State's recent struggles, they've lost two straight, and San Diego State's um, recent demolition blowout wins have created the perfect spot to actually bet the Rams at a fairly cheap and affordable price And what should be, you're right, just an awesome home crowd. Um, the all-time most desperate spots 
Although at some point I have to worry about the defensive concerns for the Rams. That's two straight games where they've let guys completely cook them in and around the paint. I worry that might be a deeper systemic thing that just may not be corrected by even a, yeah, we're all hyped to be here. What an awesome home spot this is type situation, guys. So that's my one concern for the Rams. I will be betting the most likely. I bet this opens four or less. Curious if we, uh, this will be part of our Friday six pack. Those, those picks will be coming on that Friday edition of Big Bets on Campus. There's yeah. a chance one of us will be firing up the Rams there. Dibs on Rams, call it now. I can't see this being over three. I, I mean, it might get bet up past there. I think sure, it's bet up a little bit. Hey, yeah. my point is even a four, take it. Don't be scared of that money. I don't Hop know. That's a lot. Hop That's in lot. there. Mm. Hop in there. Trash man, pick of the week. The trash man, pick of the week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. And actually, the Big West is a good candidate for this every single week because <laughs> the Big West ranks 31st in efficiency in the country, which is second to last, and 31st in tempo, which is second to last. So basically, everyone in the Big West plays slow, and they are not very good at offense. If you're on the East Coast, you don't need to stay up late for these games. Watch, watch the West That's Coast right. Conference instead. And one of the ugliest teams in college basketball, Cal State Bakersfield, is heading to Cal State Fullerton, a team that's actually been incredibly good this year. They just lost their first conference game on Saturday to Riverside. But this game's going to be a slog. It's going to be ugly. Matt, should you watch this game? Should you bet on this game? We know it's a trash game, but your thoughts? I really have had a... It's been a very saga type year with me and Bakersfield. I really liked the runners coming into the year. Um, and then I looked terrible. And then I watched two of their games. I'm just like, why is Rod Barnes ignoring everything we've learned about modern basketball, like space and <laughs> pace and shooting? Yeah. They recently lost Sean uh, Williams to the transfer portal. I think he was a Ewing Theory candidate. They played better without him. But Jim, Kai's right. Fullerton's been awesome. I think they probably win fairly easily. It's just going to be such a hard game to blow out a team like Bakersfield, which is why it's a trash man pick of the weekend. I'm surprised that this is projected for as many as 132 points. It feels high, right? Like I like the under just off that projection. I agree. Yeah. This feels like a one twenties game to me. I will probably be betting the under as is kind of tradition in the trash man pick of the week. Yeah. Matt Rod Barnes really turning about the clock on basketball per hoop math. Bakersfield is fourth in the country in a field goal percent field goal attempt percentage from two point jumpers. They love mid range jumpers. Mid range jumpers. Second in the country in that fourth to last in three point percentage attempts. So basically they take not many threes and take a lot of two point jumpers. Not good. Not good. Last section, guys, we're doing a spotlight and we're doing a little spotlight on conference trends. Now I'm going to hand the mic to my buddy, Matt, because he's done a lot of home court advantage observations this year. Matt in conference play, who's looking good from a home court value perspective and who's looking not so good. Some, some surprises in here, by the way, in this study, I was, I was shocked by a couple of findings. Yeah. And again, these are largely team dependent. Obviously the teams make up a conference, so there's going to be some, some variance within each league, but in general, I think you found that we are finding that the, some of the usual suspects will have very strong home courts. Um, notably the sec is one that seems to be the strongest home court so far. And that's both from non-con into conference play, but a lot of conferences like the big 10 and some of the like pac 12 really have not been as, you know, four or five points, the heavy home courts we've seen in years past. What I was surprised by is uh, conference USA and the SWAC all have an average cover margin or both have an average cover margin of 1.5 points per free game for home teams. That's through a pretty hearty sample at this point in the season. 
I'm not sure why it is. And I guess those are pretty large geographic conferences. So it makes sense that travel would be difficult. Um, but we just haven't seen those conferences have like massive home courts in years past. So hmm. uh, when you go into the SWAC venue, baby, be ready for a, a war. When you go to CUSA venue, be ready for a, a war. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not shocked about Conference USA because it feels more geographically dispersed, at least a little bit. But in the SWAC, actually, I, there's not a whole lot of budgets in, in those leagues for teams. They're not flying first class anywhere. I've taken a lot of buses, flying you know, commercial. So I, I'm not really shocked that travel sucks in, in that league as well. I think the shocking thing for me was a lot of the West Coast conferences, Kai, which we tend to think of more grueling travel situations, uh, take this, for example, the big sky home teams are 15 and 36. That makes no sense. <laughs> so I just like, don't make, I don't understand that at all. There's also been erosion of home court advantage in the mountain West, the PAC 12 WCC, all with pretty strong negative cover margins so far for home teams. I can't explain that Jim. The one maybe anecdote I would add is more likely to have fewer fans. Um, I know a lot of the what compared to like the SEC, which have full crowds, the, the Ivies we know have been well documented, but also a lot of the Pac-12 schools, WCC schools have been very cautious with allowing fans back. Maybe that's a part of it, but I still always felt like travel is the main reason why these schools had such large home courts. Not the case this year. Yeah, that doesn't seem to be bothering them. Maybe as the season extends and it becomes more of a wear and tear, a grind, you get into like the doldrums of February, you see home court play up a little bit. Uh, I can understand why maybe it's not as big early when it's still fresh conference play. We're kind of equals here. There's no extended wear and tear, like I said, of, yep. of the season. So I'm curious to see if that corrects a little bit or, or if it continues to not be an advantage really at all. Yeah. And just back to the big 10, big 12, two conferences. I think we feel like have strong home courts, not to say they have not been strong, but they're being, I guess, priced effectively by the market. Uh, big 10 is 35 and 30 home teams are against the spread. Big 12, 17 and 21. So close to yeah. 500 there. Yeah. I would think the big 10 would be bigger. Just anecdotally it always seems like their home courts play better. I can tell you one thing though, Maryland's part of that. And they're three and 10 against the spread. Take them out. That home court. That's gets true. A lot, that, a lot exactly. better. But you said it's yeah, team by team basis, you know, can't draw conclusions over the entire thing. Well, that's a good point though. I mean, you take out Maryland that kind of buoys the overall general consensus of the, the big, the big tens home court. Yeah. So you gotta be able to look for those outliers. Um, let's talk totals real quick here, Kai. Yeah, quick. I actually did a, a few things. So I wrote down the over under records by conferences. And now this is sort of a, you're kind of generalizing here across many different types of teams that played it very differently. But I do think there are some themes within conferences that tend to manifest in some trends. The one that always jumps out to me is the summit and a team that we think of as being allergic to playing defense. I wrote this up. We think is allergic to playing defense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with many teams that just sort of shun that side of the ball. I wrote this offseason for action about how bet, auto betting someone overs would be a profitable endeavor. And so far this year, 28 and 21 to the over going over the total by four points a game. Just bet overs in the summit, guys. Even UMKC is running this year and not playing great defense. So yeah. in general, I just think teams all enter this handshake agreement that we're all going to run, we're all going to shoot, and defense will be on the back burner. And that's how it plays out. In fact, the most efficient conference in the country. So best offense for the summit. Defense. Yeah. They're always there's number always, one in free throw percentage yeah. too. So they just drain free throws. Always shooting. Great. And there's, there's always shooting and there's not a ton of athleticism. It's kind of like sort of the recruiting ground that they're, yes. that they're working on. And that's why the offense is, yeah, they, they run, they're efficient. It's, it's, it's fun basketball to watch and fun to bet on overs. Here's a shocker. Um, when you think Missouri Valley conference, you think, 
lunch pail, half court, screens, defense, rebounding, overs. 28 and 15 going over by 2.8 points per game. There is an offensive renaissance in this league. You look at teams like Bradley starting to kind of like loosen up their offense. Northern Iowa, Ben Jacobson's loosened up his offense. Loyola, even Valentine, they're not running, but they're not playing as deliberately as we saw in years past. Um, Something to keep an eye on there as well. Um, I think the identity, our perception of that conference is slowly changing this year. Yeah, you got five teams in the top 100 efficiency offensively. And yeah. scoring efficiently helps with overs here. Right tempo, now. they're still 32nd in tempo as they're a league, but <laughs> Southern Illinois and, and Loyola has played a lot slower in league play and uh, Evansville, super, super slow teams, but the efficiency has certainly risen there. Yeah, it's definitely counteracted that. A couple other of uh, notable records here. Big Sky overs are 30 and 19. Whack overs are 31 and 24. WCC also trending toward overs. Um, conversely, yeah, others, who's not? The Big West, as we just mentioned, the efficiency the is gross. I think it's a Brown 32 and 44, something like that. I did try to do some quick math, but yeah, very, very low. Huh. Yeah, not good. Um, also, good under leagues, A10, Mountain West and Patriot. The A10 jumped out to me. I think that makes sense. I'm looking at like Dayton and VCU, uh, Rhode Island, out to Rhode Island, my God, team. just completely incompetent on one side of the ball. And when those two teams, like those like minded teams, meet, it can really get ugly. Like I think the what the the Dayton versus Rhode Island game at Dayton was like the perfect microcosm where it's like, oh, you can't score, I can't score. It's going to look exponentially worse than it should just adding those two together. And for some reason, they're both like, we're not going to try to run and score. We want to walk it up, yeah, <laughs> have a bad possession, and then you can do the same thing. <laughs> we want to do what we do poorly against what you do really well. We'll just see who who wins out, and that's how we work. Um, Kai, that's all I got from a little macro scan. I'll try and dig up some more of those. That's nice. Let's see, we can that's a fun section. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for joining us for another episode of the Big Bets on Campus podcast. A reminder to please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify. And we will see you next Wednesday morning on the Big Bets on Campus podcast.